0: I'm just going to pray for myself, if you don't mind. <laughs> Lord, I just give you this time. I just pray that um, I'd be an empty vessel in your hands, that, that I trust you, that your word would come through my words, and I give it all to you. And also, we're talking about a pretty heavy topic this morning, so I, I just want to acknowledge that while we talk about suffering in this beautiful, blessed nation we live in, that there are brothers and sisters of ours and people all over the world, millions, tens of millions, perhaps hundreds of millions of people who will this very day... Um, Dodge famine, disease, persecution, death—really, really really heavy, heavy things—and I just pray that we we would um, understand that as we go through this, and and not lose sight of that. Um, Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. So, as you can tell, uh, we're going to talk about suffering today as part of the uh, discipleship um, uh, series. It's a, a, a pretty um, pretty heavy topic, and uh, I'm going to try to set some things up here. I'm going to try to keep it a little humorous on the front end at times, just to, to kind of keep it light. You'll, you'll notice my very cheery and chipper uh, PowerPoint uh, template. Uh, but it's a, it's a serious um, issue and one that, um, again, I think it, 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 there's a large continuum of this, right? It's one thing. Uh, to be struggling with life itself it 's another thing to be struggling with things like work uh family issues, you name it, but it is something we um we all generally deal with so i 'm going to try to provide a uh, biblical perspective and uh some some context about how to cope and then we 're going to finish up what i would i would i 'd categorize as a little bit of a challenge about how to uh take it you know really look at this in a in a way which is kind of taking it to the next level so if you 'll bear with me here. So to start, um, I think it's important to look at uh, worldview, so that the, sorry, this is, everyone has a worldview, and, um, and the, the classic definition of a worldview is the overall perspective uh, from which one sees and interprets the world, the collection of beliefs about life and the universe held by an individual or a group. Uh, this determines a lot about how we view lots of things, but in particular, for today, this issue. Um, and... If I were to say what is kind of a secular, a classic secular worldview, again, I'm going to be a little facetious, it might look something like this. Um, It's actually a great song, by the way, if you want to have a look it up. Um, This is... is, I mean, I think uh, I'm being a little silly here, but it's it's somewhat true, right? Um, And it's a little depressing. So if this is all we live for, if this is all that's sort of on the docket... Uh, what do, you know, a lot of people say, okay, what do I do uh, to spice that up a little bit? And then you might add a little of this, right? This, also a song, also a song yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, it, it gives it a little bit of entertainment, a little, you know, a little sensuality. And, and um, you know, I think, I'm, I'm being silly now, but I think we all know people that this really is their worldview. This really is their life path. And if taken to its full maturity, it might look something like this. Okay, so I mean, I'm being I'm I'm I'm, I'm being silly, but um, there is some truth to this. I think I think you you, you can appreciate that, and you know, it really is uh, meaningless to live a life without meaning, and um, that's that's you know that's a big reason why we you know we reach out the way we reach out. But um, I want to contrast that with what things look like for us. So I'm, I'm speaking now to. Um, all the people out there that have, that have struggled with and sought God. I mean, this concept of a, a God-shaped hole, this is, uh, hopefully you can read all this. Um, this is uh, from St. Augustine. So this is from the, uh, I think, the 5th century. Um, and you know, in Romans 1.20, it talks about the fact that the, the whole creation testifies to the existence of God, that there's something about how we're created that there's this God-shaped hole in us, that there's this this thing inside of us which will never, as St. Augustine says, our heart is unquiet until it rests in you, that all of us, no matter where we are, where we are, anywhere, Muslim country, Hindu country, secular, atheist, that in our faith we believe that God has placed something in us which will never be satisfied, never, never be satisfied until we get in touch with you. And this idea of a God-shaped hole has um, been around, you know, since since the very beginning. Uh, I know Pascal uh, was the one that actually talked about the God-shaped hole. And there's actually, I'm dating myself a little bit, a really good audio adrenaline song. Um. <laughs> and I know that a lot of you who have accepted the invitation of Christ know this to be true. That in all of your lives, that you know, a lot of, a lot of us have said, "Okay, yes, this I have to fill this hole somehow." So I'm, I'm sure this is probably a very. Uh, very important and personal to a lot of you, but that again it changes our context about how we look at things. And I wish Bella was here because um, I know how much she loves Switchfoot. Uh, but this is this is one of my uh, one of my favorite songs. And um, when we accepted the faith, and I'm talking to the, to, the, to those of you who believe and accepted the invitation for Jesus, um, that we chose to be different. Okay, um, that you know. The word here, it says, you know, I don't belong here, I don't belong here. I'll carry the cross and the song, where I, but I don't belong. And that's, you know, we, we look at the, this life as being um, a vapor, a mist that is short. That we're actually what, we're, what we're, we're looking to and leaning into and where we want to go is, is, has an eternal perspective. That there's something on the other side of all that we do that is much bigger than the here and now. This is... Fundamental to the Christian faith, we live for something on the other side of our lives. It's really important to grab hold of that because it changes. It changes. The last time I was here, I talked about the workplace. It's it's countercultural. It is countercultural. Um, we are different. We choose. We choose to be different. So, what does that mean? Does that mean that the Christian life is just some sort of some little uh, way station, rest area stop where everything is awesome, we just run the clock out and then live um, forever? As, uh, you know, that this is just, it's just, it's just the, 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 you know, listen, let's just try to get as much stuff as we can. We've made that salvation decision. And this is unfortunately, I think, some of the, um, what you, you, there, there is a piece of the, the church today that is teaching this kind of stuff. That it's, you know, it's all peaches and cream. Everything's great. You make that decision, you're safe, you know, you're, in, you're in the in crowd, um, everything's great, and you just ride the clock out here and then you live uh, in happiness on the other side of eternity with God forever. Uh, not exactly. I mean, this is, again, I think it's very appealing, right? <laughs> it's a very attractive. Uh, you know, it's like if something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But real faith is about as, as real as it gets. So I'm going to start to throw a little cold water on that idea, and um, I'm going to go way back to, uh, this is Thomas Brooks, and Bethany, you might know who he is. He's one of the uh, early uh, Puritan fathers, but um, this is a little intense, but this is orthodox biblical Christianity. Our greatest good comes through the suffering of Christ, and God's greatest glory comes through his saints, through their suffering. This is not a particularly uh, well-taught, I think, and understood part of Western Christianity, but I think if you went around the world and other places where it's a little less rosy, where people are struggling um, to sort of just even establish their faith and live, you would find this to be very, very true. But suffering is essential, and I'm going to say should be expected. All right, really? (laughs) You know, really, is is this really true? So what if I? Um, it seems extreme, but um, what if I would? I'm t- just to, to prove a point. <clears throat> what if I were to tell you that that there was a VIP seating um, section in heaven, literally in the throne room, that you could get into. You, you know, front row seats, back row passes. You're right next to uh, Jesus, the Father. You know, the, the the elders. You're right there. How many people would raise their hand up for that? Okay. Well, it's reserved for martyrs. So um, this, is, this is from the book of Revelation. Uh, so, you know, t- take all you want. Um, but that gives you some idea of of, of, of what, I, you know, would God, ex- you know, would he expect and, and take my very life? Would he do that? Oh, absolutely. I think as we go through this, you're going to see, it's a bit of a, a privilege. Now, this, this idea of martyrdom has obviously been counterfeited and perverted in all kinds of ways. And I'm not, I'm not saying you only know, you need to go out and run around in traffic. Um, but what I am trying to make a point is that, that, that there is an expectation um, about what, what we give to God that sometimes we need to get in touch with, is that if we do have this eternal perspective and we want to give him everything on this side of life, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's somewhat of a privilege. Again, it's sort of you know. Again, with our worldview, just need to sort of start to grapple and understand these things. And by the way, I'm going to give you. We're going to go through a lot of things today. A lot of things for you to really. This is a pretty significant topic, um, and one I think that you know we all need to kind of wrestle with. I'm going to give you some things that are my perspective, my experiences. But uh, I'm doing. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, so please have your 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 Bibles handy. Uh, What I really want to do is kind of plant some seeds for you to. To, to, you know, I'll give you some of the things that I think are wisdom for my life, but this is something I think we all need to own at some level. So, that seems hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you still with me? Everyone with me? Okay. Um, so, how do we how do we walk that out, right? So, what does that mean, you know, in real life? And I'm going to give you a couple of examples, but um, it's good to start with. Uh, I'm, Let's start about a little bit about how we're wired, right? How, how God made us. Um, so this is a verse in Thessalonians, and I just, I've just i highlighted, you know, there's always like the emphasis mine, I'm sorry I didn't do that. I, I feel like that's some side of kind of like a um, biblical error, you know, I'm adding something. These words here in the Bible really aren't, aren't colored in, in the real Bible, <laughs> But I wanted to just show that this this idea of um, that we are structured in three parts, just like um, the Godhead, we are structured in three parts. And, and note the through and through. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, which speaks to the comprehensiveness of, of this. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. This is the comprehensive nature of us. And if you were to look at um, again throughout the Old and New Testament, excuse me, that the traditional Hebrew view of the person. Is actually three parts, and uh, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Uh, the soul and the spirit, often I think, and you know, people kind of confuse the two. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit is something different. Uh, the spirit is that innermost part of us which actually has this relationship with God through prayer and, 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 and devotion. It's, it's that inner, our innermost man, some people call it, but that's that part of us which is really in a whole different plane. It's a whole different part of us. And that's, in a lot of ways, what I'm going to try to build up and show you is that, that person is the person that needs to be taking the lead in a, when, we're, when we're suffering. That person. That person, because, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully build this out for you, but it's important to know that your mind, your will, and emotions, they're really important, but there's, there's more to us than that. You with me so far? So let's focus on the first two first, the um, caring for your body and soul. Um, you know, when and these, these are, I, I would just, I'm just going to preface this by saying these are some things I would say are my points of view, but a few things that I'll just throw out there, you know, we're all wired a little differently. Um, but let's, the first one is, is that um, when you're in a situation of suffering or stress, uh, you should develop coping mechanisms and take care of yourself. So whether that's how you eat, exercise, like I love yoga I mean it really helps me um keep my 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 body in a way which I you know for me uh, coping helped to to expend all my energy um serves me well I know that about myself other people at sleep <laughs> you know so uh, perfectly legitimate, totally fine. But I mean, I think we all need to have coping mechanisms and take care of ourselves. You know, if you find yourself in stressful situations eating a lot uh, or eating the wrong sorts of things, that's something I I think you just need to be sensitive to. Another thing I would say is that uh, avoiding stimulants or depressants when under stress can be really, is is wise. They can be really dangerous. So, you know, I think it's one of those things to just know. Again, if you are in a stressful environment and you are adding um, either a stimulant... Or or depressant, you know, things like uh, alcohol or 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 even I guess even sugar, um, you you know, it's it's not helpful, it's not helpful. It's like the worst possible time to be to be doing that. Another one is that emotions are are real, right? And we need to feel our emotions. We need to deal with fear, anxiety. We need to really uh, not not squelch them down, we we need to let them come up, we need to deal with them, and we need to let them sort of have their say. On the other hand, I will tell you, and I I I know, I mean, I I think this is so true that I'm not even going to say it's a point of view, your emotions are unreliable. And they frequently do not, do not reflect the truth. This is actually something I would say for me, personally, is I am wrong, I'm going to be kind to myself, 85% of the time. (laughs) And this happens to me constantly, and it's so frustrating for me that when I come out of it and I realize it, I'm like, ah, I did it again. And it's just over the years I've realized that my emotions, I need to listen to them and look at them and process them, but I should not be relying on them. Uh, another one, the complaining um, or anger. And, you know, there's actually no biblical prohibition on complaining. I look for one. I mean, it's, it's uh, the only. Uh, and this is, this is one that I actually, this is for me, is a major struggle. I hardly ever complain verbally, but if you could hear what's going on in here, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of whining. And I usually, I usually really dislike myself after the fact for it. I really, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, um, but they don't, they, they provide a little short-term relief. I mean, the, the main, the main uh, complaining verse that people point to is the one that says, better to live on the roof. In a rainstorm, I'm paraphrasing that inside the home of the complaining woman. I, I don't. I, I think that's probably gender <laughs> gender neutral, but uh, uh, but the, you get the point. Um, complaining and anger don't necessarily change the facts on the ground. It's like I would say it's like a little bit of a it, it, a little bit of a hit. It kind of boosts your energy, uh, maybe makes you feel a little bit better, but it doesn't actually change anything. And I, I've I have um, I've you know when I've been in situations where I've been you know been in, under a lot of pressure, I've I've uh, I've often had people come to me and they say, hey, how you doing? Right? Again, we, we, we've all talked about not, you know, say, hey, I'm great. Um, and I'm not, oftentimes I, I think I will say, oh, I can't complain. Um, but I can. Uh, and I am. <laughs> and I do. Uh, but I think one of the things I have thought in my own mind is, like, I think a better, you know, you know people probably think you're weird for saying this, but sometimes I feel like saying, I won't complain. Just, to, again, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is changing a little bit of how you think about things. I won't complain. And just uh, for everyone's benefit, again, in the Bible, this isn't in red letters, but uh, this verse in Isaiah twenty-six three is one I go back to constantly. Oh, you can't even read it. Um, <laughs> you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I go back to this. So if you're ever in a situation, for me, a lot of, you know, again, we're not in that situation where... Um, well, I shouldn't say, you know, I'm not in that situation where I'm worried about um, real physical danger. A lot of what I'm dealing with are kind of mental um, stress and work stress and those sorts of things. And so that, you know, a lot of it is in your mind, right? A lot of it is keeping your mind and having peace, having peace in the storm. And this verse in Isaiah is one that I, I go back to constantly, 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 constantly. It really centers me. And that, you know, because, you know, sometimes it is sort of, I'm a fairly, uh, you know, I like to piece things together. But for me, when you look at this verse, and I've meditated on this for years, this idea of, well, do I trust in you? I do trust God. I do. And then sometimes, this it just changes things. And we're going to talk a little bit about changing the spiritual dynamic. So it's just a good verse to have in your back pocket. So when you're in those situations where, now who can relate to this, where your your head is like, Bouncing off of your crane, you know, your your brain is just going. Cra- you can't and you can't slow it down. Who can relate to that? I mean, a lot of you people in here are highly educated, and and, and uh, you're we're in this really cerebral part of the world. Actually, probably one of the most cerebral parts of the world. Uh, so this is a real challenge. This is a real challenge. In a lot of ways, this might be the biggest challenge a lot of you face for s- some period of time. So, again, um, I just throw that that verse out there. I think it's been very good for me. Okay, number three, and this is where we start to get really real. Um, This is a verse in Romans, so not only so, but also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Okay, so this is where we start to get into, okay, I'm in a suffering situation. Um, Basic human nature is to avoid suffering. There's actually nothing particularly wrong about that. I think that's, that's, that's normal. But problems and things happen. And we have to kind of begin to understand that those are actually opportunities. Those are things that we need to, again, change the mindset. Um, I would say in God's system that you will actually not get any of these things if you do not go through suffering. Uh, just throw that out there. That if you want to be somebody that has perseverance, character, and hope, that you actually need to have gone through a few things. That's, what's so, that's what is so fundamentally Inauthentic about the health and wealth gospel. It's, that, you know, it, 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 it's like, okay, I'm going to go to pilot school, but I'm not actually going to learn anything. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to fly the plane. Man. I'm not going to go to the classes. I'm not going to go through all the hard work to get that. I'm just going to walk up and say, hey, I got a pass. I'm, look, I'm in. Get me in the cockpit. That's not going to end well. That's not going to end well. I think there are lots of examples where it hasn't ended well. We need people that have, um, as I've heard other people say, it is good to be around people who walk with a limp. If you, if you, if you follow me there. Okay. I think you, this is something I think a lot of us miss. You should expect God to be in it. And this is a really interesting verse. Um, God's always there, uh, we need to understand that. He allows this to happen to us. Now, God's not doing bad things to us, but he allows these things to happen. It's often when he is the most active. We, you know, A lot of times, that's, it's really hard in the moment to get out of that. A lot, oftentimes, I find my sleep asleep at the wheel, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, what's, um, what's going on here? But this, I'm just going to read this verse uh, from Isaiah. You, you wearied yourself by such going about. Uh, Can anyone relate to that? Um, But you would not say, it is hopeless. You found renewal, your strength, and so you did not faint. The context here is they didn't find it in him. They found it in other things. Whom have you so dreaded and feared that you have not been true to me and have neither remembered me nor taken this to heart? So the context here was, this was a prophetic word to the the Israelites where Isaiah is calling them out and saying, you know, you were in a stressful situation and you did not come to me. You tried to do it on your own. Can't you just hear the the disappointment in the prophetic word from God? That, you know, I was here, I was waiting to help you. I was in this, and you went to other things. Interesting question. You know, what are our idols? What are the things that we use? when we're in stressful situations but this you know this you know this this really does kind of capture it and it does point out the fact that in almost every situation you're in God cares about you so much that if you are in a difficult situation you just need to understand I'm just going to speak the truth to you now he is there he is there and sometimes the hard situation is finding God in the hard situation he values the pursuit Hey, but understand, he's always there. We have the kind of the hokey story about the, the, two, the two sets of footprints on the sand. I think you've probably heard that. I won't, you know, if I was carrying you, um, Google it. Uh, <laughs> but do not lose sight of this. Expect God to be in it. Expect God to be in it. And the most important thing is that we need to press into the spirit. Hey, this is the key. This is recognizing the spiritual dimension really understanding what's going on. So, the, again, feeding off the last one, it's always an opportunity to learn. Make sure you ask the question. Again, hopefully, and hopefully, some of you are probably better at this than I am, but I say I, I forget this. What are you doing? What are you doing? What is going on here? When faced with uh, fight or f- uh, flight or fight, familiar with that concept, choose fight. Choose fight. Again, fight spirit. This, we're in the spiritual realm now. Choose fight. You can fight. Our spirit. You know what is our? Um, what's our? What's our spiritual weapon? The sword of the what? Which is the what? Absolutely. Okay, good. But I mean, choose fight. Choose fight. Um, there's a saying. You know, in, in our in, and sometimes in my work environment, we'll have a really challenging situation. And uh, like I, I work in financial services and um, the capital markets, and you know the markets do what the markets do, right? And a lot of times we talk about controlling what you can control. Control what you can control. One thing you can control is, is your spiritual environment. Okay, with what you do, what you consume, um, what you're giving yourself to, you can control your spiritual environment. That is something you can control. You know, I mean, I've I've been in situations where I've just had like worship music on, 20, you know, or just things going on, or um, uh, you know, just to, to, for this very reason alone, you can you can control your spiritual environment. And understand, we're you know, we're going to go into a little bit of I'm going to I'm going to break down a psalm for us to really give ourselves a, a real good context. I think of one example of how somebody actually coped with this, which I found interesting. But um, we're all we're all psalmists. I mean, we're all the psalms are great because they. Um, there are so many examples of, of, in the Psalms, especially of David, but of others, of how they've dealt with suffering, how they've, how they've uh, come through the other side. And, and some of it's really interesting. I've, there's a couple of them, because I am a little competitive, and um, you know, I think I've told you before, I was a hockey player, and so um, I like to fight, uh, which I know. I mean, God, God made me to, to, to enjoy fighting. I mean, not literally, but uh, I mean, that's, I know that. I know that about me. And sometimes I go in the Psalms and I'll see David, like, and you know, and, and, and smite that guy and smite that guy. And I'm like, I'm like yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but, you know, so there's, there's an awful lot of the Psalms. But we're going to uh, talk about uh, Psalm, and Psalm 103 is, you know, bless the, the Lord, O my soul, is a great one. But this uh, Psalm 77 is one I want to break down for us a little bit because I think it really illustrates. <laughs> A, a spiritual uh, transition where you can actually see how somebody walks through a bad situation in the spiritual, as a spiritual person, and, and how that works. And uh, I'm going to skim through it a little bit, but I'm going to just break it down piece by piece. So, acknowledgement. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. This guy is a wreck, okay? He can't sleep. Understand now, going back to some of the things we talked about earlier, he is fully in touch with his emotions. He's not saying, it's all cool, it'll be better. Well, this guy is a wreck, okay? He can't sleep. He can't focus. He can't even pray. This is a guy who, in a lot of, you could look at and say he's pretty hopeless. His spirit grew faint, which is kind of another way, another way of sort of saying like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, my life is ebbing from me. I'm just really, really down and out. So, what does he do? The next step in this process, again, I, and this, this is something I'm just throwing out as, as one, uh, one kind of uh, pathway, but I think it's a pretty good one. He makes his first key decision. He's going to choose to focus God not on his own problems. Then I thought, to this will I appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Uh, he's going to let the reality of who God is, both um, in what he has seen, and, pr- and I would say beyond that, all of us need to look at what he's done for us personally. Right? He's going to remember what God has done. Um, he's going to let the, 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 the beauty, the power, the compassion of God, he's going he's to let that settle into his, 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 his spirit. Um, it's you know, it's going to snap him out. It's going to bring him up. It's, it, it, it's going to change the spiritual dynamic. It's going to change his outlook on things. Which, invariably, when you start meditating on God, it brings you to the truth. And the truth, what? Sets you... Your ways, God are holy. What God is as great as our God. Okay, now this is this is now, if you if you we'll show this, this is now where he's he's come to a point where he's actually he has, he has arrived at the truth. He's arrived, you know, the truth is the truth is real. There is such a thing as absolute truth. And this is absolute truth. And he's he's arrived at this point at this that this at this point where he realizes God is bigger than all of this and it really changes things. Now, so if you go through this, he's no longer on the defensive, as we'll see. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bring it to, to, to a quick close on this, this psalm, is that it goes into this, this crazy, crazy transition where he goes from, from being down and out, right, questioning everything. He's hopeless. He's helpless. And then he's having this crazy metaphysical revelation of God where he's talking about the clouds poured down water, the heavens resounded with thunder, your arrows flashed back and forth, the earth trembled and quaked, your path led through the sea, your footprints were not seen, you know the water saw you and, and, and writhed, the very depths were convulsed. See the transition where he started? He, he has moved in his spiritual, his spiritual self from this down and out place to now he's actually, God is showing him things God is revealing himself to him, and he's proclaiming the truth. He has gone from being on the defensive to being on the offensive. Do you follow me there? Can you see this? I mean, this is something I think, again, look at 103 as well, but this is a spiritual principle. This is a spiritual dynamic. I, and it is no small thing. I can tell you from my personal experience, there is very little that you can't deal with if you understand this. You can get through most anything. Again, part of that is your worldview. If you understand that what happens to you in the here and now, no matter how bad, up to and including the loss of your life, if you understand that that is all part and parcel of being connected and aligned with God, that he cares, that he's involved, that he's engaged, and that it is okay to give him all, that he is trustworthy and good, and that you can actually, in the midst of that, take your innermost person and really get into a place where you're not only surviving, but in a spiritual realm, you're thriving. And there are examples of this. If you were to read um, some of the stories about the, early, the Chinese underground church and the early church, and even the acts, of, um, the acts of the Apostles, you will see this to be absolutely true. It's not something that we get a, a lot of framework to experience here and now, but I just, I just throw this out there. It is biblical Orthodox Christianity. Hey, I mean, and, and I think it's, it's part of how we change our view on things. So I'm going to uh, finish up. And, and so I would, I would give you all of that by way of, of uh, I'm going to call that uh, a sort of a, how we sort of cope and deal with things. There's actually a whole other level of this. I'm calling it the, uh, the graduate program. Or uh, becoming a drink offering and i'll i 'm going to show you what that means, but this is you know if you if you understand and embrace that so we 've talked about now kind of how you manage you know everything from real practical reasons to then you know kind of getting your spiritual person to kind of get up off the mat and and get in touch with the truth and you know be whole and solid and and functioning there there's actually a whole other layer of this which is where you act, Actually, willingly concede and actually pursue a life which is meant to be poured out to God. And um, you know, again, this is um, something I think we all need to to look at and find out what's comfortable for us, and actually pray that that if that's God's will. I mean, sometimes pouring your life out can can mean look all, all kinds of things, right? Um, up to including actually, you know, literally giving your life. But it's it's all across the board. But I think there's. This this concept of being willing to serve God in a way and to just give Him what we have is something that He 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 invites us to and and and, and as we'll see, He really really loves. So the old context, just so you understand what a drink offering is, um, um, you know, it's a sacrificial offering of wine poured out at the foot of the altar to accompany a burnt fellowship or grain offering. And just so you know, a burnt offering typically was uh, for atonement, so that was usually for uh, um, you know for the sins of the people. A fellowship offering is just what it sounds like. It was to often with the, with the Levites. Uh, it was meant to just take uh, like we do, just take pleasure in, in, in each other and a grain offering was typically for uh, first fruits, so a grain offering was from the harvest, it was a thankful it was a uh, thanksgiving. God, we're thankful you've given us a harvest. The drink offering was always something a little bit different. So one of the best examples, it wasn't technically a, 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 you know, David was sort of riffing, if you will, off of the drink offering concept. But one of the most beautiful examples in the Bible about this is that um, uh, David went back when he was David and his mighty men, when he was on the run uh, from Saul and he he was uh, living in caves and um, being hemmed in, you know, Saul Saul, uh, you know, Saul took the whole army, he hired mercenaries, and he said, go find this guy and kill him, uh, David. And David was hiding everywhere, and they were always on the run. And this is where a lot of David's, frankly, uh, Psalms originate from. A lot of what you'll see in, 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 in the word comes from these periods of time. But this was pretty real, obviously. David was um, the most hunted man in the country, and had like the equivalent of, of the, all the armed forces after him, and including uh, had, a, had a bounty on his head, and um, just you know, <laughs> hard place to be. And in one particular time, he he's from Bethlehem, as as we know. Uh, and Bethlehem evidently has a really good uh, kind of like I guess you'd say sort of the equivalent of Poland Springs has a, had a really good well uh, there, which had um, had good water. And he had he had been sort of like oh maybe complaining a little bit. Uh, oh you know I've been drinking this water that we find on, you know these 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 you know warm water springs with dirty water. And oh if I you know. We've been fighting, we've been hiding and climbing. If only I could have a drink of that great well in Bethlehem. At the, at the time, Bethlehem was a Philistine uh, garrison, a garrison. So it was like a military base. So his guys, who loved David so much, his mighty men, uh, they got together and they, they went off and um, uh, commando-style attacked the garrison just to fill up a couple bottles of water. And they, they, they ran back to him, and they're like, here, David. And David said, oh, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't take this. This is such a, you know, and so he, he pours it out before God, this valuable thing. He, and it's really just a beautiful um, illustration of the concept. It's, he, he poured out something so worthy, such an important, you know, such a, such a valuable thing. Um, you know, and he could have just drank the water and said, hey, I need this to survive. But he didn't. He didn't. I'm sure he wanted the water. I'm sure he wanted the water, but he didn't take it. So that's the Old Testament context. It's sacrifice and gratitude. Paul brings us to a whole other level. A whole other level. Um, Paul takes it right up to uh, um, a lifestyle. Because what is the most precious thing we have? It's our lives. Right? So Paul takes it to a whole other level. So in Philippians 2, it says, I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming through your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Um, Paul had a vision for his life. His, the vision of his life, he also understood it to include some suffering. Um, you know, We, we know from, from the Bible. But that he not only did he embrace it, he actually rejoiced in it. Right? So he he knew that the gospel was advancing off the back of his sacrifice. He knew that as pouring himself out as a drink offering, um, that that was helping advance the kingdom and and that it was important to advance the kingdom. And he he and he, he didn't say, "Oh, you know, beam me up Scotty." You ever see those t-shirts, you know, like uh, he 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 just said, "You know, I'm not I'm not all I don't I did not run or labor in vain. I'm not all over the place." Although in some ways you could look at him and say he was shipwrecked, beaten, um, left for dead. Uh, he, if you look at his trail through Asia Minor and all over, he was kind of all over the place. But in his head, he knew that he was going in a very very thoughtful, God, God-ordained way and that there was some purpose behind this. And the fact that he was being asked to pour himself out was something he embraced, something he aligned his life with because he knew that, that at the end of it that there was an eternal reward. So he had the opportunity to give all of himself, but he also knew that Jesus appreciated it and that he would be rewarded. Sometimes, I mean, I have a problem with this. I feel a little like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to worry about eternal rewards. But, you know, some, in some case, I think we, we, we kind of do, right? So Paul knew that when he had run the good fight, you know, he had fought the good fight, run the race, at the end of it, that he was going to, you know, all about, he was going to be uh, accepted into and, and be with Jesus. And that he could look him in the eye and say, I did it. I loved you so much I cared so much about you. I was so grateful for all that you've done for me that I gave you all I had. I poured out my life before you. And I'm not by any means uh, um, diminishing how hard this is. I'm just saying, or saying, you know, you all need to go and start to, to, to do this. I'm just saying it's an invitation. It is an invitation from God. There is a way to enter into this. There is a way for all of us. And it's something that we should really really think about, to the extent that we identify ourselves as believers and children of God, that, that you know, there is more to our faith than checking the box, going to heaven, coming here on, on, on Saturdays and Sundays, even doing small groups, even being part of prayer sets. There's this spiritual dynamic of what we do about how we give our lives up to God, which may never be externally visible to anybody else around you. May never may never be. It might be something that is just between you and God, and it might be that you're struggling or are faced with a challenge that only you and He know about. You know, it could be something that that He you, you realize He's asked you to press into, which might be might bring me to my knees, make me want to throw up, and which, which Daryl could do, you know, in a sleep juggling. You know, just a just a really easy thing. But it might be something God wants us to do to advance his kingdom or to build our character or to, a lot of times, I think a lot of what I go through is to prepare me for other things. Right? I mean, it, you know, it, we, we all need to sort of get in touch with a vision for our lives. So um, as I thought about this a lot, this, 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 this will make sense in a minute. This uh, glug, glug, glug. Again, changing your perspective. There used to be this. Uh, um, I'm, I'm really dating myself now. There used to be this great TV show called Cheers. You ever heard of Cheers? Yeah. Um, and in Cheers, was a, it was in a bar, and there was uh, this one guy in the bar, Norm, and he had this great. He had this great. Uh, he had this great joke, uh, which was he came in one day, and you know, he's, always, he's just kind of this. Uh, uh, surly uh, disheveled businessman and they said uh, you know say, hey hey norm how's how's it going how's your day he goes uh, you know it's a it's a dog, eat dog world out there and i'm wearing milkbone underwear and and, they, and that that joke is always like oh, that was a great that was, a, that was a great joke <laughs> but this idea of you know um, you know like I, I won't complain sometimes i think when when um, when uh, you know that people ask you know how was your week Sometimes like, I was thinking about this. This just kept coming to me over and over and over again as I prepared for this. It's like, yeah, I had kind of a glug, glug, glug day. <laughs> you know, again, changing, changing um, the process. You know, yeah, it was hard. But I, I walked it through. I, you know, I, I used my coping mechanisms. I, I, I got in touch with my spirit. Um, I found a way for God to minister to me in that, and I found a way to move beyond that. I, I, and you know what? I poured myself out. I poured myself out. And, you know, it's just, again, different perspective on how we look at things. So to summarize, I'm expecting a life without suffering is delusional. I would say even incomplete for a believer. Um, you will never feel, uh, feel closer to God than when you're down and out. Who, who can relate to this? Yeah. I mean, when you're just kind of flat out, that's when, you know, sometimes I, I think back and I, you know, it seems strange, but you know, I'm like, oh, I, wish the, I wish I was in that place again, which is crazy, but um, but still, it's like because he was so close, he was so close. You will you will never feel close. I mean, this is his promise. This is beyond his promise. This is who he is. This is who he is. He loves the 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 weak. I mean, uh, last week Bethany talked a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount. Read that over and over again. You want to see who God is close to who he's near to, who he draws near to. Um, we should always try to manage our circumstances. Again, I don't think we should be running around in the traffic, but there's a lot of wisdom in acceptance, and just accepting things as they are, you know, and, 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 and pivoting to that spiritual discernment. What are you doing? Okay, this is happening. Um, I wish it weren't, but it is. Uh, what are you doing? Okay, this, I can't make this go away. I I can't grind my teeth enough to make this stop you know sometimes it's you know I have had this you know sometimes you're sitting there and say oh this is a situation where it looks like I'm going to have to um, spend a lot of money work 80 hours um, so on and so forth do something really hard have a difficult conversation Uh, and and this this temptation to sort of say God take it away Mm, I think you really need to be careful about that because that might be the invitation he's giving you, so you know sometimes it is. Okay, I, I got to work 80 hours. I got to do what I got to do. I got to I got to step out, and I have to do the thing I have to do. But I'm going to use this other stuff, and I'm going to I'm going to approach it counterculturally. I'm going to approach it from a Christian point of view. I'm going to walk it out. Um, suffering is a challenge, but it's also an opportunity to grow and learn. I just you know, throw that out with you. Um, and more than that, it's an opportunity to bear witness to the mind-boggling grace of our Lord and offer, you know, we talk about this, this, this sacrifice of real worship. That's really, I think, what this is all about. Um, you know, it's not just singing a song. A living sacrifice, I think, is living a life poured out before him. So I'm going to end with um, what I'm going to say is the ultimate endorsement. if I leave you with anything today, that you know, as far as a homework assignment, um, I just challenge you to, to to read this verse a little bit over the next uh, week or so, and really, really, from what we've talked about this morning, uh, look at it and and really meditate on this. So the ultimate endorsement uh, and the ultimate adherent to this lifestyle, believe it or not, was as in most of the things in our faith, was Jesus Himself. So this is in Gethsemane. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Okay? So, note, Jesus was completely in touch with his emotions here. His spirit was wrought. He was experiencing the physical implications. It was making him sick. He was so upset. And he was deeply distressed. I mean, he, he, you say he knew how it all was going to turn out, but it didn't, in this point in time, this account is extremely similar in all of the synoptic gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You have this, it's, so the fact that it's in all three of those means something. There's something significant about this. But he didn't shrink from it. You can, we can see sort of the things we talked about. You see the process here. He, 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 instead, he poured himself out. He gave it all. For the, for, and, and for the prize That, you know, the prize on the other side of this. The prize on the other side of it, believe it or not, is you and I. This is why he did it. He did it for us. But he did it not just to offer us an opportunity to to, for salvation, but he offered it as an opportunity to have communion with us. He did this for us. But if you look, I mean, really spend some time with this verse, if you will, and really see, you know, how. Jesus did it in a period of suffering, and it's not like you know he wasn't. You know, I always always joke. You know, Jesus was a was a, a Jewish man with very dark complexion. But we always have the pictures of Jesus. He looks like Fabio, with the um, with the blonde hair. You know, the Swedish, the complete Swedish look. Um, you know, sort of. You know, and I, hey, I love the pictures of the victorious Jesus, but this is not that. I mean, this this uh, I've I've read some things about how they in the I think it's Luke where and Luke was a was a, was a doctor, that they talk about. This, he, was, um, he was sweating blood, which I guess is something that is pretty rare, but happens when people are under such extreme stress, often like on death row and things like that, that their whole body is kind of breaking down. Okay, so we see our Lord here, and we see that he, he, he suffered like we suffered. He is not unaware of what we went through. And we will probably never be in a situation like his yet we see how he walked it out. And it's something we could could emulate. So I will end there. And uh, thank you.